good to see you on a Wednesday night. I trust that you've had a good week so far. And I know it's been hot and humid, uh, but you know what? Christmas will be here for you know it, all right? Uh, by the way, I'm really looking forward to Christmas this year because we're really going to have a really, really good program Christmas. Yep. It's going to be good. I'm excited about it. But we have a, a lot of other things that we need to be excited about. We have the Bluegrass Festival that's fast approaching us. And uh, uh, it, it, we're going to have a we're going to have a good time. Uh, and uh, I know you're going to have some good music and we'll have some food and some a good time of fellowship. So uh, just be a, aware of that if you would. Also, there's a lot of things coming up the next couple of months. We've got the. Uh, uh, ladies uh, Honduras mission trip coming up in October and uh, we got uh, a lot of other activities our the youth have some things going on and children's department uh, a lot of our ministries are going to be uh, really the next uh, couple of months are going to be exciting times and so uh, please refer to your bulletins uh, we usually have all that information on the screen it's just you to be aware of that but and this is not only a, uh, just an announcement, also it is a prayer uh, need in that uh, starting this Sunday we'll be having our deacon selection. And I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, we have eight men uh, from the uh, pre-selection. We're down to eight men and you'll be uh, voting for three. Uh, so uh, their, their names are listed uh, when you get up uh, in the ballot but uh, please, please, please make this a matter of prayer. It's very important. And, uh, uh, and just to be honest with you, we, you, it doesn't seem like we have a lot of participation sometimes. I mean, uh, in our size, we should have more people uh, concerned in voting for that. So just make that a matter of prayer, uh, if you would. Also, as you've uh, gone through your list, uh, we're going to mention... Some that uh, we need to be praying for tonight. Uh, Miss Ruby Vastola and Miss Ruby, uh, she fell and broke her hip. My understanding is that she has surgery uh, pending. Uh, so be praying for Miss Ruby and uh, just lift her up in your prayers if you would. Also, Brother Alvy Anderson, and if y'all do not know Brother Alvy and Patricia, they usually sit back on this section, back towards the back. Uh, he has a, a son that was in, uh, involved, uh, I think I'm getting this information correct. Uh, he was involved in an accident, uh, and uh, it's Alvy Anderson Jr., uh, but pray for him. Uh, it was a, a, a tractor accident. I think I'm telling you right. But he also has a nephew, uh, Johnny Anderson, who was in, involved in an accident as well. And uh, he has uh, been, he's paralyzed, I believe, from the waist down. Uh, they're in Vanderbilt and Skyline Hospitals. But uh, they called today. And uh, so just be praying for this family, uh, if you would. Also, <clears throat> We need to be praying for Miss Ordy Tucker, and she's been in the hospital, uh, but they're trying to get her medicine regulated, and, and some um, apparently is going to have some more testing done a little bit later on. So just pray for her if you would tonight. Also, Miss Jan uh, Landers, uh, she is scheduled for surgery tomorrow, 
So be praying for her, if you would, and uh, for that family as well. And also, uh, if you notice, there's a pastor, uh, Jerry Jones, and uh, he is the pastor at Faith Baptist Church. That's in the Rivergate uh, area. It used to be Alta Loma Baptist. Uh, Alta Loma was the church that I was called out of a few years ago, uh, but uh, many years ago. And uh, he has a, a kidney stone. They thought uh, they got it taken care of, but apparently some infection has set in, had to take him back to the emergency room. So my mom, that's where my mom attends, and she asked if we would pray for her pastor, and I told her we certainly will. So uh, Mr. Jerry there. Uh, also, as you're going through, uh, you'll see that we have others. Uh, Don Robertson has a, a brother that we need to be praying for, uh, Mr. Joe. So I know he would appreciate us praying for his brother. And we have others that we need to be lifting up tonight. So uh, we're now uh, being called to prayer. If you feel led to come to this altar to pray, now's the time to come uh, as we go into a time of prayer. So if you're uh, wanting to come uh, to the altar to pray, you need to come uh, now. Also, need to continue praying for our, uh, our, our pastor search committee. Please lift them up and pray for them. Uh, they, they have worked tirelessly. I mean, you would not, the hours they have spent, and just lift them up, okay? Just, just pray for them. Also, our deacons, uh, continue praying for them. Tonight, as you're praying, uh, we need to be praying for these that we've made mention of, those that have uh, physical needs. So uh, pray for them, if you would. Tonight, as we're praying, let's also be praying for our, our youth, Brother Addison, and those that are helping him uh, upstairs. Just uh, lift uh, them up as they worship the Lord Jesus uh, tonight. Tonight, also be praying for our Juana children. We saw many of them come through here. Be praying for them tonight and those that are working with them. Tonight, be praying for our outreach into this community. Be praying for our sister congregations tonight. As we're praying tonight, pray for one another. Tonight as we're praying, pray that we will continue to see God work in our midst. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come to you, Lord, we have so many needs. Lord, we have physical needs. Lord, I'm thinking of 
Brother Jim Barrett, as he starts his treatments, Lord, we lift him and Miss Tammy and the children up to you tonight. And Lord, we pray for Miss Jan as she goes for this surgery. It's been a, a long road for her. Just pray that she'll have peace. Be with the doctors, that you'll give them guidance, give them wisdom. Lord, we also pray for Miss Ruby, who's fallen, and she's at advanced age. And Lord, I just ask that you would just surround her with your with your hands of protection as she goes for this surgery. That everything will go like it's designed to go. Lord, tonight we also pray for the suffering church, our brothers and sisters that are being persecuted because of their faith in you. Lord, I know it's a holiday coming up this weekend. Many of our people are going to be traveling, so we ask for traveling mercies for those that are be going to wherever they'll be going, that you'll keep them safe. And Lord, we pray for this Sunday. Lord, what a joy it's going to be because we're going to start another service with another baptism. So we praise you for that. Thank you for that. But Lord, we are asking that you meet with us this evening. As we look into your word, you give us understanding where we need understanding. Lord, that you'd help us to make applications to our lives so that we can go out far, far better than when we first came in. Lord, I thank you for this family. And Lord, they probably don't realize how much I need this family. And I thank you for the warmth and the love that they've extended to my family. And Lord, for the love that they have shown to my wife. Lord, it's been a blessing to see how you've worked in our midst. And Lord, I pray for those that have called and emailed and and text that have said that they know what we've been going through because they've gone through it as well. Lord, we have a lot of people that are going through some trials. We have a lot of our family members here that are just going through some tough times. But Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be a family that loves one another, cares for one another, prays for one another, encourages one another. Lord, thank you. Thank you for how you've smiled upon us. Thank you for your love for us. Now I pray that you'd help us to show how much we love you by how we live, by how we talk, by the way we walk, that this community would understand there are people here at this little hill that cares for this community. But most important of all, you care for them and you love them because we go no further than the cross to see how much you love each and every one of us. We pray all of this in the most wonderful name, the saving name 
of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And all God's people say, If you have your Bibles, you need to turn to the book of Leviticus, the book of Leviticus. I know there's probably someone here uh, tonight that says, you know what? That's my quiet time. I'm I'm going through the book of Leviticus. I'm I'm saying that (laughs) Leviticus is, I mean, sometimes you're like, man, it's you get bogged down. It's kind of boring and and all that. But I'm telling you. It is full of Jesus. And, and so to, as we go through this, I, I want us to, and I know it's probably going to be a little bit more teaching than preaching, but, uh, and maybe it's just me, but uh, I, I'm, I'm getting um, uh, just more and more excited about the Old Testament. Because when you really dig into the Old Testament, it really just shows you how it flows right into the New Testament. And also, uh, when we study the Old Testament, we, we see where it all began, if you will. And how uh, the Old Testament, especially here in the book of Leviticus, it is, it is a beautiful picture or it is a, a shadow of the substance that's to come. I mean, when you look at Leviticus and study Leviticus, you study about the sacrifices, study about the offerings and all of that. Uh, it, it's, just, uh, it's hard for me, uh, and I've even uh, said some to uh, some uh, my Jewish friends, I said, how can you not see Jesus fulfilled everything that y'all study? And that, I mean, that's, I mean, uh, you, it, it's just, and, and if you've talked to uh, Messianic Jews, they'll, they'll tell you the same thing. It's just like, man, I don't know why I didn't see this before. I mean, it just flows right in and it points to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, we're going to go through this study and I hope we don't get bogged down in it, but I hope it's going to be exciting to you and it's really going to uh, show you how relevant the Old Testament still is today. The Old Testament is still the Word of God. Okay? We're not, I understand, we're no longer on the law, we're under grace. But we're going to see it's all about Jesus from Genesis to Revelation. Okay? Now, so and just a few little things. Let's sit the back I'll drop here. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 9 tonight. But what we're going to do is I'm just going to take these verses... Until we get to uh, verse number four, uh, and, and we're just going to kind of dissect it as we go. Uh, Leviticus. Now, uh, we, uh, I, I think uh, most of you would agree, uh, the author is Moses. I, I, I mean, I do not see why anybody else would think it's somebody else, but there are some. 
And uh, their reasoning, uh, it goes all the way back to the 16th century where uh, there were some that said that Ezra was the author. Well, that can't be. Uh, then there was others that to use, and, and I'm using these big words, I have absolutely no idea what they mean. I thought it'd just be kind of cool that if I could say these big words, you really think I was intelligent, okay? So, and one of the other sources that some point to is, it's called the, um, uh, the documentary, uh, 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 see, I can't even say it. <laughs> Hypothesis, that's, that's the word I'm looking for, that. I told you. I, could have, I don't know what it is. Anyway, well, basically what it says, there's four, um, four sources uh, to the Pentateuch. Now, we all know the Pentateuch is the first five uh, books of the Bible, right? Okay? Uh, and so the Pentateuch, and I'm just going to go through this very quickly. We're not going to get in detail. We're not going to bog you down in this. But uh, the four sources, uh, this came to be a little more popular about 900, 400 B.C. But uh, there was J. Now, J, of course, uh, that stands for Jehovah. That's the Hebrew word for God. And so they're saying that one of the sources, uh, it would make mention of Jehovah. And then there was E. E is the Hebrew word Elohim. And uh, they said that was another source. And then there was a third source, and that would be D, and that would be uh, Duramus, uh, where there's a combination of those. And then there was P, and that was the priest. And so there are some who say that these four sources were involved uh, in the Pentateuch. Of course, Leviticus is a part of the Pentateuch. Well, they can be all the scholars they want, but Bible speaks for itself. The Word of God speaks for itself. In the verse, very first verse, chapter 1, it said, And God spoke to Moses. You'll also see it when you come to the end of Leviticus. God commanded Moses. We also see in the book of Leviticus... You see where God spoke to Moses 56 times. I don't know about you. I don't care if I know how to say the words. I'm just going to go ahead and let you know if God said it, that's good enough for me. God spoke to Moses. He told Moses. We call that verbal inspiration. By the way, I, I think and I believe that it doesn't stop at Leviticus. I believe it started in Genesis and ends in Revelation. God spoke it and they wrote it down. It's divinely inspired Word of God. Okay? By the way, the Word of God is quite clear on what it's saying. And so we see that uh, Moses, uh, even Ezra, who some said that, uh, well, maybe it was Ezra that wrote it. In chapter 6 of Ezra, Ezra even makes reference to God spoke to Moses. So Moses wrote uh, Leviticus as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but what is he talking about here? He's talking about uh, Leviticus, of course, deals with the, the priestly duties and the sacrifices and all of that. The first thing that we're going to see, we'll find it in verse number one, that uh, God, not man, made the requirements of how to get to God. Okay, now watch. It says, And the Lord called unto Moses 
and spake unto him out of the tabernacle of the congregation. So the first thing that we see is God called on Moses. Now, the word call in the Hebrew means this. It means to speak loudly because a significant information needs to be said. God called Moses. Why? Because he wanted Moses to hear very clearly what he was going to tell. And what was he going to tell him? God was going to tell Moses, in turn Moses goes and and tells the priest, this is how you can get to me. Now what's the difference here? The difference is man has made all kinds of attempt to get to God. But what we're talking about here is God's attempt to get to man. And the way we go about doing that is by the way he says, this is how you can get to me. He says, this is the way that you can call upon me. Now, before we go any further, we'll notice uh, in the Leviticus, uh, we're dealing this night is with a burnt offering. The burnt offering is a picture of Jesus atoning for our sins. Jesus atoned for our sins by His sacrifice. Okay? That's the burnt offering. Then you have the grain or the meal offering. Now that's a picture of Jesus when Jesus said, I am the bread of life. But we also see not only does God is the bread of life, but in this offering it's also a thanks giving offering, if you will. They were giving God uh, praise for the harvest that they were able to receive. But then you move on and you'll see where it talks about the, uh, uh, the, the fellowship or the peace offering. Now, the fellowship peace offering, of course, is a picture of Jesus. Because of His sacrifice, we can have fellowship with a holy God. And when we have a fellowship with a holy God, we have peace. Okay, and then he moves on, he says uh, that there's a sin offering. Of course, we understand Jesus was our sin offering. And when you look at the sin offering, it helps us to understand because of the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, we can have forgiveness of sin. But then it moves on and it talks about a guilt offering. Now, the guilt offering, again, it's a wonderful picture of the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because when Jesus died for us, and when He shed His blood for us, that we could have forgiveness of sin, then that we are set free from carrying the burden of guilt. Aren't you glad tonight that you no longer have to carry guilt and shame? Because what Jesus Christ did for us, He was able to take that from us. And then the last offering uh, that we'll look at is the ordination offering. And of course, that's uh, uh, the offering, the sacrifice, the picture of Jesus is that He has set us apart. He set us apart because the Bible tells us that at one time we were living in darkness. But when we came to accept the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, then we have moved into light. And so, uh, with that understanding, we've already alluded to that God spoke to Moses. And notice here, he says, Now, uh, Moses, 
This is the way you've got to go about doing this in order for you to be able to be reconciled to me. This is the way you're going to have to do it if you're going to be, have an atonement for your sin. Uh, John 14, 6, Jesus speaking here. He, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. We need to understand tonight that if we're going to come uh, and if we're going to approach a holy God and if we're going to have fellowship with a holy God, we got to come to Him His way, not our way. And that's what separates us from having a relationship to where we're bogged down in a religion. Religion uh, is man's attempt to get to God. It's man's attempt to say, well, I think this is how I need to get to God. There's only one way, and that's His way. And if you don't do it His way, you're not able to come into the presence of a holy God. So God wanted to make sure that Moses got this thing right. And as you continue on reading, you'll see it's very detail-oriented. Why is that? Because God wanted Moses to take seriously what he was going to say. It's serious business when we need to know or we're asking questions. How can I come to in the presence of a holy God? How can I have fellowship with a holy God? we got to make sure we do it exactly like he wants us to do it. And we have problems with that, don't we? We on time want to go ahead and do it our way, as Frank Sinatra sang about. Well, it ain't going to work when you're dealing with God. It's got to be His way. But we also see, not in John 14, 6, but uh, also in Proverbs chapter 14, verse number 12, paraphrasing here, it says, There is a way that seemeth right to a man. Okay? Now watch this. He says, But he will find that that way leads to death. See, man says, hey, this is how I'm going to do it. God says, if you do it your way, you'll receive death. But if you do it my way, you receive life. So, in verse number 1, we see it was God uh, that came up with the plan and not man. But look at verse number 2. In verse number 2, it goes and it says... Here it is. He says, and he says, now speaking to the children of Israel and say unto them, if any man of you bring an offering unto the Lord, you shall bring your offering of the cattle, even of the herd and of the flock. Now, uh, so we see... Second of all, that God is the one that came up the plan, not man. But in verse number 2, we see that, uh, uh, that God opened the door. How did He do that? Well, notice here it says, if you're going to bring an offering, this is how you have to bring it. Now, understand here, and it develops a little bit later on, uh, there was three different kinds of offerings, uh, animal offerings that they could bring. If you were wealthy... You had to bring something from the herd, cattle or an oxen. If you were middle class, you had to bring something from the flock. That would be a sheep or a goat. If you were poor, you could bring a bird. Now understand, what does that mean to us? That means to us, because of Jesus being our sacrifice, He sacrificed for everybody. 
He opened the door. It was an open invitation. Now, Calvinistic theology, I don't know how they deal with this, but it's quite clear to me is that God from the get-go said, when I give an invitation, I give an invitation to all, not just a select few. Now, do you see where we're going with this? You say, well, why do you have to throw that in? I'm telling you why we need to have a clear understanding on this. God's will is for all men to be saved. And God did everything He could to take barriers down, not put barriers up. God wants all. It doesn't matter if you're rich or if you're middle class or if you're poor. The invitation has been extended to all. It's God's will for us all to be saved. Now, why is that? Because Calvinistic theology is, uh, is, is ruining our convention. Now, I'll just go ahead. I know that's a pretty bold statement, but I'm telling you. Calvinistic theology is ruining our convention. Matter of fact, some churches that were strong, evangelistically speaking, have now turned to that Calvinistic theology. And what happens is we become elitist. That's what happens. Elitist. Because if I believe that God has already picked and choose who's going to be saved or who's going to go to hell, why in the world do I want to go ahead and spend my time? God's already got it figured out. But that's not God's intention. God's intention is that for everyone to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the reason why we give an invitation every time we meet here. Why? Because Jesus did as well. Jesus always gave an invitation, a public invitation. Here at this church, you're all aware of the fact, we don't ask you to fill a card out. We ask you to walk down an aisle. We ask you to what the Lord says, if you're ashamed of me before men, uh, you'll be ashamed, I'll be ashamed of you. Uh, we're wanting to know that we're not trying to put anybody on a guilt trip. We're not trying to embarrass anybody. We're just trying to be biblical about how we do things and it's biblical to give a public invitation to all. Whosoever call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so here from the very get-go, the Lord made provisions no matter where they were at in the social economic situation. They were welcomed at the table. In Revelation chapter 22, verse number 17, paraphrasing here, but notice how many times that word come. It says, come to those that are here. It says, come to those that are thirst. He says, come whosoever will. And he then goes on and notice, he says, come, come, come. And Jesus himself said, I stand at the door and knock. And I'm wanting you to open the door. Jesus himself said, that he was the door. And also, when they would come to the tabernacle, remember in verse number one, when God spoke, he spoke to Moses in the tabernacle. The tabernacle where the very presence of God was located. So he spoke to him and he said, tell them when they bring their sacrifice. Now watch this. If you look, and oh, we did a study in our class not too terribly long ago about the layout of the tabernacle. Of course, we understand when they came out of bondage uh, and they're in the wilderness, uh, God told them, and, and God again gave a detail on how to build the tabernacle. Okay? Now, <clears throat> estimates are 
that there were 2.5 to 3 million encamped around the tabernacle. Now, they brought their sacrifices, but you'll notice there's only one gate. Now, if we were a contemporary church, we would get a committee together and we'd say, you know what, there's a whole lot of people and I think it'd be wise for us to make it more convenient for them to come worship that we have more than one door that they could go in. God was very clear there's only one way. Does that not, I mean, back in the Old Testament, He's setting, it's a shadow. And the shadow was for the sacrifice that was going to come. And so He says, it's only one door, one way to get in. And so he goes and he says, as they bring their sacrifices, uh, they need to bring them according to my plan. Now, I want you to pick up in verse number 3, going to verse number 9. As we continue on, listen to what it says. He says, now, if his offering is to be a burnt sacrifice of, of the herd, let him offer a male. Sacrifice had to be a male. Our sacrifice was the God-man. He, he, he stepped out of heaven, put on flesh and bones, walked around as a man. He says, now, he says, you've you got to offer a, a man. And notice this. He says, without blemish. In other words, he had to be a perfect sacrifice. There was only one who could meet those qualifications. That's the Lord Jesus. And so, he, he, he came as a man, and he was perfect in every way. He says, and he shall uh, offer it of his own voluntary will. Jesus came not because he was forced to come, because he was willing to come. Oh, the love of Jesus. Aren't you glad of his grace tonight? He looked and he said, they're sinners, they're bound for hell, and the only way that they can come is by way of a sacrifice. No one else meets those qualifications. I'll send my only beloved son, the, my son, the Lord Jesus. And he'll come voluntarily, willingly, and he will be your sacrifice for you. And then notice where he says. He says, at the door of the tabernacle, of the congregation before the Lord. Here again, one way. No question. I mean, God is quite clear there's only one way. Right? And He's quite clear on the qualifications of our sacrifice and that the only one that can meet that was the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, Jesus is all in the Old Testament. He's in the sacrificial system as well. You see Jesus in all that's being taken. Now, uh, I want you to notice in verse number 4. In verse number 4, notice something. He says, he talks about identity here now. And he says, And he shall put his hand upon the head of the burnt offering, uh, and it shall uh, be accepted for him to make atonement for him. Don't. So when they bring the sacrifice, 
The one who's bringing the sacrifice would put his hand on the head of that sacrifice. Significance of that. It was a, a picture, if you will, that the, the sinner, the one who's guilty, spiritually speaking, has now transferred his sin onto that animal. That's exactly what took place with our sacrifice. He took our sin. Second uh, Corinthians Chapter 5, verse number 21. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Here again, I'm paraphrasing here. He says that He was made sin for us who knew no sin. And, and, so, and, he, and, and the reason why He did that is so He could make us righteous. Okay, so here in the sacrifice, when they would put the hands upon the head of that, it was a picture of the one who was bringing it. His sins were transferred over to that sacrifice, and that sacrifice had to suffer, not him. But then he goes on. Three things that we're going to see very quickly. First of all, we see that the sinner has put the victim to death. You do understand it was your sin that put Jesus on the cross. It wasn't the Jews. It wasn't the Roman soldiers. It was our sin. So the sinner has put the victim to death. Second thing, the innocent has now died for the guilty. That little animal was innocent. Didn't do anything wrong. And so his innocence, but the one who was bringing that sacrifice was guilty. You and I were guilty. Guilty is charged. We deserve death and hell. But because of the wonderful sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ, He who knew no sin took our sin so that we could go free. Okay? Now, third thing, the blood. We're going to see a little bit later on. Look at verse number 5. And he says, And if he shall kill of the bullock before the Lord, and the priest, Aaron's sons, shall bring the blood and sprinkle the blood round about upon the altar that is by the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And he shall flay the burnt offering and cut it into, uh, into his pieces. And the sons of Aaron, the priests, shall put a fire upon the altar and they will lay the wood in order upon the fire. And the priests, Aaron's sons shall lay uh, shall lay the parts of the the head and the fat in in uh, order upon the wood that is on the fire which is upon the altar and look verse number nine but. This, but his inward and his legs uh, shall he wash in water, and the priest shall burn all, shall burn all on the altar to be a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire of a sweet savior unto the Lord. Now, what does I have to say? First of all, it sees. Fire is always symbolic of judgment. 
Now, what are we talking about? We're talking about the blood of the sacrifice took our judgment. The blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ removed the judgment that was meant for you and for me. But then he goes on. Notice the word usage here. It says all. When they would bring that animal to be the burnt offering, they put it all on the fire. That helps us to understand that the sacrifice our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ did for us was complete. Which means when you get saved, you get saved one time. It's a complete salvation. By the way, while we're talking... That means that you don't get a second helping or a second blessing or a third blessing. When you get saved, you get all the blessing that you need. It's a complete salvation. And so here, uh, this animal, was all of it was put upon the fire. Now, Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 5. It says, in the fullness of time, God uh, sent His Son... Uh, to those who were under the law and redeemed those who were under the law. And so here we see that this sacrifice, uh, the burnt offering, was an atoning uh, for the sin. Now that word, uh, verses, when you look in verses 6 and 9, we already talked about uh, it was the entire animal. In Romans chapter 5, verse number 9, uh, just to paraphrase very quickly, verse number 9, it says that we are justified by the blood. We're justified by the blood. The significance of the blood is crucial. Matter of fact, if you talk to uh, someone of the Jewish faith, you take them to Leviticus chapter 16 where it says, uh, if there's uh, no blood, there's no atonement for sin. Now, they know about Leviticus. Okay? they They know about this. And, and I've had a conversation. I said, how do you get around that? Of course, they, they come up with, you know, it's because who we are and all that. I said, it seems to be quite clear. When God set up this rule and said, this is the way you've got to come to me. He says, if there's no blood, then there's no re- atonement. And so the blood of Jesus Christ redeemed us. It atoned for our sin. But it goes on in in, in verse number 10. Not only in verse number 9, it says, and not only have we been justified by the blood, but we've also have been removed from the wrath. And that wrath that we're speaking of is represented here in the fire. Fire is a picture symbolic of judgment. And so this sacrifice was the, all that fire, the, the, the whole animal was placed upon the fire, which means Jesus took all of our judgment. Not only your judgment, but the judgment of the world. He took it all on Him because of His love and His, and His marvelous grace. He willingly did that for us. But then it goes on. In verse number 10, it talks about being reconciled. We're only reconciled because of the blood. In verse number 11, it talks about atonement. Interesting word. In the Hebrew, the word uh, atonement is uh, kipper. 
You've heard of Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement. That's what the word means. Uh, Kippur, and that word translated means white clean. <laughs> when Jesus Christ became our sacrifice, His blood, the scripture says, the blood cleansed us from all unrighteousness. See, here's what happened. When He died... And when He became our sacrifice, and when we accepted Him, His blood wiped us clean. He right here. In Leviticus, a wonderful picture of what Jesus Christ has done for us. So the next time somebody says, well, I don't think the Old Testament's relevant, you need to go ahead and remind them Leviticus tells us, here's how we're to sacrifice. God told Moses clearly, the sacrifice has to be done this way. And if there's no blood, there's no atonement. I believe it was the Methodists. That some of them got a little upset about those hymns that had blood in it. They said it's kind of gory you know, we, we don't like gory. Well, my dear friend, if you take the blood away, you've taken it all away. Scripture is quite clear. Without blood, there's no atonement. The precious blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has wiped us clean from our sin. But very quickly. Notice the word, and, and it's burnt offering is... Ola. Ola means goes up. Notice what he says. He says, and that sacrifice, the smoke that goes up, gave off a sweet smell. When Jesus Christ died upon the cross, and when he shed his blood, it was a sweet smell to the Lord Jesus because he said, that's exactly how it was planned. I was going to send my son from the very beginning. There's no two gospels. There's only one gospel. The death, burial, resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And it's the same gospel, not only for the Gentiles, it's the same gospel for the Jews as well. From the very beginning, take what they consider, uh, what they uh, line up, and just take them and show them. The Word of God says, from the very beginning of the sacrificial system, God was seeing His Son coming. And He came for us. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm a little excited about how all of this flows. I mean, it just flows. It's always been about Jesus and always will be about Jesus. Jesus Christ is the only way. And we're now living in a society where everybody says there's more ways than one but they're not getting it from the Word of God. 
because there's only one way.